Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where three best friends from college talk about Jane Austen adaptations. This season, we're discussing Pride and Prejudice. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. Today, we're discussing the 1995 Pride and Prejudice BBC miniseries, All Faithful. You can watch it on Amazon Prime or HBO Max or YouTube for $1.99. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Sips and Sensibility Pod and give us a like on Facebook. And remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and give us five stars. We really appreciate it. So ladies, before we get into discussing what is just a classic example of a miniseries adaptation that people ride or die for. I gotta know. What you sipping? Well, I had one of those days today where things just don't go right. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't find my keys. Um, my dog got out. It was raining. Oh, no. I overslept my alarm. Oh. Just not the finest day. Um, so I really needed something to calm me down tonight to help me just glide into this conversation mm. about Pride and Prejudice. And so this fine Thursday evening, I am sipping on some Earl Grey Supreme Tea with Ooh. some Ooh. milk and sugar. Ooh, is it it's quite nice. Harney and Sons mm. deliciousness? Oh, of course it is. Mm. Harney and Sons through and through. What about you, Lori? The drink I want to talk about today is one I tried the other day, which I texted Julie about, and we had a conversation. We were like, mm -hmm. do I do this or not? I may have steered you in the wrong direction, and for that, I apologize. Yeah, it's a, it, I took a chance. Okay, we all know Starbucks has the greatest holiday drinks. Fight me if you want to, but I love a good <laughs> holiday beverage. Okay, I'm very excited. It is fall. You cannot rip that from my cold, dead hands. It is fault. <laughs> I'm saying it now. Um, so I wanted to try the Apple Crisp Macchiato, which mm. is brand new this year. And it sounds delightful. Does it not? It sounds so good. It sounds disgusting to me, but I'm glad you guys <laughs> did that. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought it sounded good, but I've heard mixed reviews. Like, I've heard some people love it and some people hate it. And I was like, well, what do I do? What if I don't like it and I buy, you know, a grande and then I'm out like five bucks, you know? So I was going back and forth with Julia. Do I? Do I not? I decided to do it. I went the <laughs> smart route, though, and I got a tall. Get mm. the smaller one. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you how I feel at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Holding us in suspense. How cool. Julia, what are you sipping on? Well, <laughs> I am drinking uh, the Barefoot Moscato. Um, I have mm. one of those like a glass in a mini plastic bottle things that I think you're supposed to take to the pool or whatever. <laughs> but I actually Note for the audio. Julia pulled it out a minute ago and I about lost my mind <laughs> because of the perspective of her camera. It looks like she's drinking out of a full sized bottle of Moscato. Just going right for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It really does. I also have a funny story regarding this Moscato. I was going to Publix the other day and I ran in with just my card to get some of that like 
the barefoot bubbly canned wine and I really like mm. it. And I was just like, you know what? I need it. Had a long day at work. Um, but I was doing the self checkout and then once I scanned the wine, I was like, shoot, I don't have my ID. And the checkout lady came over and I was like, I'm so sorry. I forgot my ID. I thought about being like, listen, look at my wedding ring. I'm married. So clearly I'm not a child. Um, but I, I wasn't going to fight it. I was like, so sorry. Here, you can have it. I'll just take my vitamins and go. Um, but like the look on her face as she took it from me and I don't blame her. She That is her job. But she looked at me like she was like, oh, these underage drinkers, I've foiled them. And I was like, ma'am, I just forgot my wallet. <laughs> like, um, so I had Austin run into the gas station and to see if he could find it. And he didn't, but he did find this tiny barefoot Moscato. So we'll see. On a mission for some Moscato. Yeah. I wanted like the pear flavored kind, but this is just normal. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, I love their little, I love the barefoot, like, canned wine spritzers. Mm -hmm. You got me onto those. They're good. Oh, yeah. That was all my sister. All Olivia. Shout out to Olivia. Thanks for the the barefoot wine (laughs) spritzer uh, of the love that we have. Okay, guys. So tell me, did you like the 1995 BBC miniseries? Julia, I know you haven't watched it, so I'm looking forward to your answer as well. I was going to say, Little Miss, first-time watcher, what was uh, what was your opinion? I was a PNP 95 virgin before this, uh, but I've now <laughs> seen it, which honestly, how had I, I, I've seen the 2005 hundreds of times probably, so how have I never yes. seen this one? I don't know. Um, I, it's eight hours long. I enjoyed this film. I enjoyed it. I loved all of the detail that they got in from the books. I felt like the script was incredibly accurate to the book, which I very much enjoyed. Uh, but there were things that I also did not enjoy. Ooh. Yeah. I do think that one thing that may have affected me in this viewing was that the Jane Austen and specifically the Pride and Prejudice fandom had my expectations incredibly high mm, because there are a lot of people that despise the 2005, which I love because they think it's horrible and they think this one is far superior, which made me feel like this was probably going to be the best miniseries piece of television piece of art that I had ever seen in my life. And I just, I didn't feel that way about it. So mm. my expectations were super high and I felt like it was great and I loved it as an adaptation, uh, but there were areas where I did think it was lacking. As I rewatched it and I'm thinking on it now, I can see, I can kind of see the points you're making. Um, I know as I was rewatching it myself, using an analytical mind more so now than a fangirl watching it at 3 a.m. on my college <laughs> bed. Um, there was definitely some parts where I was like, what? Um, but we'll talk about that later. Overall, it was great. Yeah, I think it's hard as the um, devoted lovers of the 2005 Pride and Prejudice that we are to see this other version, which is also beloved, but is so different mm-hmm. from the one that we know mm-hmm. and cherish. It's just so hard to separate those two. So. This was probably my second or third viewing of the 1995 miniseries. 
and I did really enjoy it. I think, you know, you can't debate the fact that it gives way more time to the story mm-hmm. and that you get to see so more of so much more of Austin's work. I mean, just literally look at the numbers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's six hours long, so therefore you're just going to get a lot more. Yeah. Um, and so that part of it is wonderful. I think, yeah, I have some more thoughts. I know that there's some things that people love about it that I personally disliked. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to talk with you about that a little bit more, but let's just quickly go over um, our Rotten Tomatoes rating here. It has an 88% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. It has a 95% audience score. So fans of Jane Austen love this movie as well as I would assume in order to have that high of a score, even people who are not Austin fans. Um, overall, it's just really popular. It has an 8.8 out of 10 stars on IMDb. This miniseries really set the ground for all Pride and Prejudice adaptations. Um, this is one of the most well-known adaptations, I would say, mm-hmm. of any, J- probably the most well-known Jane Austen adaptation. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, so truly very incredible what they did um was really impressive even though i would say it's not my personal favorite which kind of takes us to our discussion of the music cinematography and general vibe of this adaptation and i'm just gonna come out and say it for me that is where i definitely found this film lacking I think I tried really hard not to compare it to the 2005, but there is something about having just the amazing cinematography, the beautiful sweeping B-roll of the pastures, just the iconic and enrapturing soundtrack that adds something to the film. And I kept thinking about, okay, well, this is from 95, so, and it's a miniseries, they didn't have as much money, as much technology, whatever, but then I was thinking about it and... The Sense and Sensibility, the Emma Thompson Sense and Sensibility came around almost exactly at this time. And that film is also beautiful. And so I felt like for me, the music was pretty good. There were points where I did feel like it added to certain scenes. And there were points where I felt like I just didn't really notice it. Um, I did notice there is uh, during the ball when Darcy and Elizabeth finally danced together. They played the same song that Emma Knightley danced to in the Gwyneth Paltrow adaptation and I just love that song I think it's a great choice for like a romantic first dance um but as far as the cinematography goes again I just didn't love it and there were certain things that they did specifically that I didn't love like they at one point overlaid Darcy's face over a mirror in Elizabeth's bedroom when she was remembering stuff and it was like a lot of that like memory recall scenes where they would overlay stuff and flash to things that I just did not love Yeah, I will agree. That is one thing on watching it again that I'm kind of like, interesting choice Um, were definitely the flashbacks and um, some of the letter reading. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand that for hearing a character's inner thoughts, they might have to say them out loud, but with some of Lizzie's responses to the letter, it was just kind of interesting the way they did things Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I would agree with everything you guys are saying the this is where this a big area where this movie was lacking for me and you know I did try and and set it apart it's hard but 
I think just looking at it, trying to look at it more objectively, I just feel like I, I think my, I can identify as feeling as if I'm watching a stage play mm. in that there's mm. not a great romanticism. The, the music isn't super involved. There's not, you know, this beautiful cinematography. And then I just truly didn't like a lot of the things that they used. I didn't particularly love the use of flashback or the double exposure shots. Mm -hmm. There were just Mm -hmm. a few things that struck me as odd, but I think that they are probably stylistic choices of the time. Um, And that's probably part of the reasoning for that. I still didn't like those things, but I think a lot of the things you guys are talking about with the the letter reading and some of the narration, I think those are also director choices as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you there, uh, Beth. And I was going to say that the script, aside from some of those stylistic choices that we didn't like, the script is truly amazing in how accurate Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. But what you were touching on, Lori, is there are a couple of letters that are read. The letter um, from Mr. Gardner to Mr. Bennett when he's detailing the situation with uh, Lydia and Wickham. The letter from Jane to Elizabeth where she's detailing Mm -hmm. everything with Lydia and Wickham. When... Jane would have written Elizabeth's inner thoughts as responses. We see reading, reading, reading. Elizabeth interrupts her reading to say something. And to me, it really <laughs> took me out of it. And I did. Yeah. it didn't feel accurate either. I was like, when they're reading something that's this in-depth and involved, they're not going to like stop reading to make side comments to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the one thing where I felt like the script and or the director's choice, I just did not like but again I thought everything else was just incredible I will say though stylistically as much as it was a product of of its time it just pains me because I do look at something like uh, I believe it was the 1996 Emma Thompson Sense and Sensibility with Ang Lee they didn't do that like they didn't have to do this so if they hadn't done that I just some of these weird stylistic choices I just feel like it would have made it just over the top amazing for me because I really do love all those precious, beautiful moments that we get that are from the book and not in many of the adaptations. Yeah, the script writing alone is unparalleled. I think we can all agree on that for, I mean, one, the amount of time that they're given. If it was not accurate in the script, I think we would have all rioted at the time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm going to agree. The music, I didn't really, like, thinking back, I can't really remember the music, um, which I think lends it to, like Beth said, it being more of a stage play than anything. Um, another thing that on a second watch through, I didn't super love were all of the costumes. Um, there were some costuming choices where I was like, the hair. Wouldn't have done the, the hair. The hair. Um, why is that always a thing with period pieces? Somebody, please, for the love of sweet Jesus, get the hair right, please. Jane and Elizabeth um, always had those like curly tendril ears in uh, front of their face. Yeah. yeah, the pin curls are there constantly. Um, I don't remember any drastically bad sideburns, though. I will say that. Um, so good job. But on on those two things, I will say, were probably my hardest critiques. It did actually win an Emmy for Outstanding Achievement in Costume Design. Which, like, <laughs> which is conflicting. <laughs> <laughs> Though I would say that the costume, the costuming, it wasn't terrible in my opinion, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's go ahead and 
Julia, will you walk us through the characters? Because I think we're going to have a lot to say about these portrayals here. Absolutely. So our beloved Jane Bennett was played in this adaptation by Susanna Harker, who has been in episodes of Midsummer Murders, Doctor Who, The Walking Dead. Uh, she's just been in a, in a whole host of TV shows. So what did you guys think of her, her portrayal of Jane Bennett? You know, I thought she was a lovely Jane. I thought she was kind and caring to everyone. But I don't know. She just didn't embody Jane Bennett to me. I kept getting pulled out of it. And honestly, part of it was like a little bit of her appearance. I felt like she just looked like kind of caught off guard a lot of the time or something like that. Like I was having trouble um, with some of the emotions that she was conveying. They just weren't necessarily the most believable for me. I I liked her portrayal of Jane. Um I think one thing that she did really well was she portrayed the kind of meekness that I feel like Jane's supposed to have. Whenever they showed Mm -hmm. shots of her and Mr. Bingley together, I felt like she did a really good job of uh, her facial expression because we rarely hear them talking. We usually just see her face. But I felt like her face was always kind of set in this sweet – her face was kind of always set in this way that made her look kind of sweet and timid. So I would look at her and think, okay, I can 100% see how Darcy would look at her and be like, she's just being nice. She's very guarded. And Elizabeth would mm-hmm. look at her and see, oh, I'm she's big in love. Um, I, yeah, so I liked her. She didn't blow me away, but I thought she did a good job at portraying Jane's meekness specifically. I really did like her. Um did like her. Let me clarify that. Um, she definitely portrayed the meekness, the kindness, um, the more, I guess, controlled emotion that, or controlled expressing of emotion. Let me again clarify uh, that Jane is kind of known to have. I did think as the series went on her character kind of I guess blossomed a little bit um like especially towards the end the last two episodes um you really got to see her acting shine and I kind of loved it I do feel like actresses who play Jane get kind of they're handed a tough spot because Mm -hmm. Jane is so hard to read for the average Joe. That's how she's written as a hard to read person who really is very much keeping things close to her chest. It's hard to play that and it not be boring to watch, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I do, but I do think she did a good job. I, I do think it was made especially hard though because of who we had playing Mr. Bingley and his choices Mm -hmm. in that role. So would you guys want to move on and talk about Mr. Bingley, who is portrayed? Yes, of course. Of course we want to talk about Mr. Bingley. Who would not want to talk about Mr. Bingley? Um, (laughs) He's played in this adaptation by Crispin Bonham Carter, who, yes, is related to the illustrious Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, He was in the film Casino Royale. He... Uh, played Edgar in an adaptation of um, Wuthering Heights. And uh, he's also been in some other British things. So that's cool. 
the BBC. The BBC. You know how they do. <laughs> um, what did you guys think of Crispin Bonham Carter's Mr. Bingley? Lori, I think you have some thoughts. I did like his Bingley. I thought it was very, you know, bubbly, happy, characteristic. Um, there's a moment at the end um, in the very last episode where him and Darcy are having a conversation about um, Darcy knowing Jane was in London and him confronting him. And then um, you actually get to see, you know, the boys have a conversation about, well, dude, why do you hide the girl I like from me with heck? <laughs> and Bingley kind of like gets all bro on him and he's like, no, I don't need your approval at the end. And like says, I can kind of make decisions for myself, which Darcy applauds. Um, it's a sweet moment. Um, so I kind of liked seeing this Bingley like grow a little bit through. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I thought he was a really good Bingley. His you know characterization stayed on point. Um, we don't see him as much, I think, as we would have liked. But I did like his character overall. I think this Bingley is just incredibly earnest. Like he is, my man is always on Mm -hmm. cloud nine. He always has a smile on his face. He never has a bad word to say, which I feel like is very uh, accurate to the book. But it's just so funny seeing it because he, we talk about how Bingley is a golden retriever puppy. That's what he looks like. He's just always smiling Mm -hmm. and always happy. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some points where it came across came across as just a touch awkward (laughs) and one of them was and I think this was partially just the angle of the shot but it's uh when Bingley we first meet him when he's at the ball um in Meryton and he comes up to Mr. Darcy and he says Darcy I must see you dance and the angle that they (laughs) have the shot it makes it look like he's like right up in Darcy's face and he's just like so happy and Darcy's like get the flip-flop away from me (laughs) And there's just like such a great contrast between them because he is he is just so earnest. Um, the scene that you were talking about, Lori, where Bingley uh, Darcy reveals to Bingley that he hid Jane from her, uh, him when she was in London, I didn't like that scene. I felt like it came really very out of nowhere. Like they went to go visit the Bennets, and then Darcy was just like, oh, "I don't like her," and then he or he said, "Oh yeah, I didn't tell you when she was in London," and then he was like. You didn't. I'm mad. And then he's like, but it's okay. And then Darcy rode off in a carriage. I liked the character (laughs) growth that you were talking about. I just felt like this scene seemed like it didn't flow well. I'll I'll explain why those little moments were added a little bit later. I really enjoyed Crispin as Bingley. I thought he did a great job being just our friendly, lovable golden retriever, like you guys were saying. And one scene in particular that stuck out to me is the scene where Uh, Darcy brings Bingley and his sister to meet Elizabeth in the inn where she's staying with her aunt and uncle. And he's asking about Jane. Well, he's asking about the family, but we all know that he's really asking about Jane. I thought that was so sweet and earnest and was really a good example of his acting skill and his portrayal of of Bingley. He's just, he's sweet and he's genuine. I really thought in that scene you could, he did... I don't know how he did this, but you could see in his eyes that he wanted to ask more. Yes. I thought that was really awesome. So let's move on to our beloved heroine, Elizabeth, who is played in this adaptation by Jennifer L. 
who has been in the film The King's Speech with your boy Colin Firth. The film <laughs> Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, she's been in the movie The Forger, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, girl's done it all. So what did you guys mm. think of Jennifer L. as Elizabeth? Gosh, I absolutely loved her as Elizabeth. I thought she was awesome. I liked how spunky she was. Mm-hmm. She's like, kind of gives it right back with, with sass. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a like a light airiness to her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You just see, I, I mean, you just see this sense of humor through it. And I really liked that aspect of her portrayal. Um, I thought... Yeah, I just, I don't know. She really was Elizabeth to me, completely from the book. And I really, really enjoyed her performance. I totally agree with that. I think one thing that I noticed from the very beginning was, like you said, that light airiness to her. Because Elizabeth is so sassy, but she's also having fun. She's having a lot of fun, which just kind of reminds you of her her youthfulness and her zest for life. Um, And I really loved the way that she perfectly navigated the relationships with her family members you know she has this sweet bond with her father she has kind of this sisterly affection towards kitty who does a great job in this movie as well Mm -hmm. Um, and then you see the more down-to-earth connection between her and jane and i just loved her i also loved there was one scene where it was so sweet um the scene takes place at Pemberley, um, and it's when Elizabeth has been invited to play the piano at Darcy's house, and Georgiana's there, and Mr. Bingley and his sisters are there, and Caroline Bingley brings up Wickham to try and throw Elizabeth off, but of course, Georgiana is the one who's thrown off, and she kind of like messes up some notes on the piano, and Darcy looks like he's about to get up and go come for her, but Elizabeth goes up first and kind of helps Georgiana save face, and it's just such a sweet and sisterly moment. I loved the way that Jennifer Mm -hmm. L played that Mm -hmm. and her like immediate bond with Georgiana and then Colin Firth and Jennifer L in the moment following um, Jennifer L's kind of saving of Georgiana they share this look that's like really precious and tender Um, Mm -hmm. and this may be a spoiler for my thoughts on Colin Firth but I really felt like Jennifer L kind of carried the weight of their romantic connection I have thoughts on this Darcy um, but yes, starting with Elizabeth, we'll talk about Darcy in a minute. I loved this Elizabeth. I thought she was fantastic. Um, she definitely had that airiness, um, that spunk. The thing that I felt most was like how amusing or how fun she thought every situation was. And not in a silly way. Um, yeah, in a silly way, there was definitely moments where it was like, okay, you can see the like pride in the situation or like the prejudice, you know, <laughs> kind of pulling out. But mostly it was just her like seeing the amusement in her insane mother or like the fun. There's like a little side moment that she has with this dog on her mm-hmm. walk um, over to see Jane when Jane's sick. It was like this really sweet moment. She just embodied the character perfectly and really played up, I think, all of the best angles, like Twitty. Well, ladies, I think it's time. It is time for us to discuss Mr. Darcy, who is played in this adaptation by 
the one and only Colin Firth, who if I read his IMDb to you, it would take the rest of the episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> he needs no introduction. He's been Mary Poppins Returns, Mamma Mia, he's been in Kingsman, Bridget Jones's Diary, which is funny because that's a modern adaptation of Friend and Prejudice. He's been <laughs> in The King's Speech. He's been in just all of uh, Nanny McPhee. How could I forget? <laughs> Mama Mia. Love actually the importance of being earnest, which is actually a really good movie. We should. Anyway. Anyway. So what did you guys think of Colin Firth's portrayal of Mr. Darcy? So let me start by saying how much I love and admire Colin Firth and his acting abilities. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is going someplace. The King's Speech is one of my all-time fave movies. Very good. That being said, and I'm a little worried about the reaction... <laughs> Maybe not from you guys, but maybe from listeners. I I really, really didn't like his portrayal of Darcy. Wow. I felt like all he did was stare. He heard brooding or he heard shy or whatever he heard proud. He just stared the whole time. And there was like, not a lot of emotion. There was not a lot of depth to his portrayal. I was very upset by it, especially because this is the guy who's been like hyped up mm-hmm. in all of these mm-hmm. in pop culture for so long. And, you know, in uh, Austin land, which we just watched, she has a cutout of Colin Firth. Like he is Darcy in people's minds, but he is not my Mr. Darcy. And I was disappointed. Okay, I got to tell you, Beth. I 100% agree. Except. Ah, yes. Except. (laughs) And again, I'm worried about the backlash. But I, in general, don't like Colin Firth very much. I feel like he pretty Mm. much plays the same role in every movie. Like a a proud and awkward guy who is unlikable and maybe i just haven't seen enough of his movies but i really i and i think you're right it's it's hard like we talked about with jane sometimes these characters who have characteristics like oh just you're very content or you're very prideful and haughty like it can be hard for the audience to see that but the problem for me was darcy goes through a major transformation he's supposed to go through a major transformation Mm-hmm. So yes. for the first half of the movie, him being a completely bland character is fine. Like, that's okay. But then we get to the point where he's trying to change dramatically, and I just didn't see that. I felt like in the first interaction that Elizabeth and Darcy had at Pemberley post her rejection of him, I saw a little bit of a more uh, lightness to him, a little bit more of kindness, but that was really the only time I saw it, like at all. And I think, you know, I mentioned that look between him and Elizabeth. Occasionally there were looks where I was like, oh, there's romantic tension here. But most of the time I thought he just looked mad. And the part where it killed me, honestly, the most of all was in the scene on the in the lane where Elizabeth and Darcy are confessing their love. I was like, yes. dude, you're giving me absolutely zero. I'm getting nothing, nothing from you. Nothing. nothing. 
I was just about to bring that up because that drove me crazy. He, you know, Elizabeth says that her feelings have completely changed and you get like no reaction from the guy, not even a smile. And so that was incredibly disappointing. But also, I think one of the things I talked about in the first episode of the season was in the book, how she writes this just incredible change that takes place. I mean, just what you were talking about and how Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful. And I think Jennifer does a great job of portraying that change in her character and her emotions and her interactions. Mm -hmm. It all just, it comes out beautifully, but Colin just doesn't get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he looks the part that part was fine to me, but his acting skills in this particular role really let me down. I have two final thoughts. One, uh, as I've said, I have heard a lot about this adaptation, never seen it. So the expectations for the post Lake white shirt scene, you guys had <laughs> hyped that crap up big time. And can I just say, I was incredibly disappointed. Like, wh- yeah, that's it's na- not as sexy no, as you think it was. It wasn't at all. I mean, like, what? It's this. He's wearing a baggy shirt, guys. Depends on when Calm you watch down. Um, and the and then the other thing, I felt like the moment, and I told Austin this because we were watching it together, where I saw the most chemistry, sexual tension, whatever you want to call it, between Darcy and Elizabeth, was at the very last moment of the film. Darcy and Elizabeth mm-hmm. are running yes. off in a carriage together and they kiss. And the reason that that scene is the one where there is the most chemistry is because you see Jennifer L's face and the back of Darcy's head. He can't ruin it. And that's why there's chemistry. Wow. Come after him. Well, I think we need to give uh, Lori some space to talk about her man here. Okay. Defend your man. I'll give my guy some slack. I am a self-professed Mrs. Darcy. That is my man. That has always been my man. It's her screen name? <laughs> it's my screen name currently, right now, as we're recording. Um, Gosh, he is... I didn't make my Pride and Prejudice name this <laughs> Again? time. Again? I forgot. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Oh. Um, he is one of the book ideal men that I, you know, am judging real men against. Okay, let's be honest here, because we That's all have those true. men that we do that with. Um, it is imperative as a woman to do that. Let's just be real about it. Colin Firth. I feel like I have gone through two types of my life in watching this. I've watched it as a freshman in college and now as a 24 year old woman. Um, I have two very different viewing angles of him. I think as the college freshman, never seeing this before, uh, the walking out of the lake, soaking wet, shirt wide open, drenched in water. The scene, you don't actually get the scene that I f- think that you get. You don't you, see him coming like out of weird, the water. Yeah. It's, I think maybe that's like a post scene. Anyway. Um, yeah, that scene plays very differently on 18-year-old Lori than on 24-year-old Lori. Okay? I enjoyed it far much more then, and I think it's because I had little to no interaction, really, with the opposite gender. Um, But I will say, I definitely think, in hindsight, I was romanticizing that first watch-through because 
I gotta agree with my other sips ladies. Colin, please do a little more character development before you act. Like, I know it's hard. I know it's hard, buddy. And I know that you are limited by your director choices. Um, however, however, you fill out your goat sheet, you figure your goals, what does your character want in this moment, okay? That does not mean standing there, staring at Elizabeth as you're entranced by her as if she is a blank chalkboard and you have to write lines after class, okay? He just, he gave me nothing and I was heartbroken. Come okay. after him, Lori. <laughs> I, I was mentally going back over the entire six hours that this adaptation gets. Six hours. Clock it. I don't know if there has been an adaptation with more time. He smiles once. Oh my gosh. After they're married and they get in the carriage. And I'm not talking like he like smizes. It's like a full-blown grin. His mouth is open. But that's the only time. And it's like, dude, there's so many other chances. You see Elizabeth again after, you know, you think you just ruined your entire life and your entire romantic chances with her. Okay. You see her again. Maybe, maybe grin, maybe a little something. Uh, you see her be great with your sister. Maybe smile, be a little encouraging. You know, it might be good. Uh, she says yes to you, uh, like after you propose again might be good to show some emotion might be encouraging before she runs in the opposite direction come on my dude come on at some point it starts to feel like like you start to question if this elizabeth and darcy are really compatible mm -hmm. yes i think that's what it comes down to for me and why this struck a chord with us is because because of this specific portrayal of elizabeth she's so emotive um, she's mm -hmm. so happy and um, humorous and this is such a strict mm -hmm. straight portrayal of Darcy it is harder to imagine them together so I think that part of it is maybe if we had a less extreme Elizabeth mm -hmm. we would feel less strongly about mm -hmm. what Colin Firth is doing with Darcy here but those two things just are in a little bit of conflict in my hot opinion. take colonel fitzwilliam had better chemistry with jennifer l than colin <laughs> <laughs> i will say i will say in the kind of bro moments that you get in these in this adaptation i do think his character came through a little bit more um so like i give him a little props for that like you you get a little more to a sense of being um, rather than just, you know, the straight dead eyes. But that's the only props I'm going to give right now. So ladies, before we wrap this little section up, do we have any other characters that we want to highlight? Anyone that just really made you feel things? What you got? Collins was very cringy. Mm -hmm. The greasy bangs. Yeah. Yeah, and I so I guess that means he did a great job. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it made me uncomfortable, so I didn't love. I didn't love that part of it. I will say, while we didn't get a lot of scream time, scream time, while we didn't get a lot of screen time with him, uh, this Wickham definitely felt like a greasy, uh, like you just know he's not great. Mm. You know, just kind of like 
you look at him and you're like, you're a jerk. You're leaning on your cane sideways. Mm. You look whack. Uh, but I think that's just the character, so he's okay. Yeah, I feel like this Wickham was like very, bleh, like he just was <laughs> kind of hard to look at. And um, yeah. one thing that kind of surprised me was at the very end, his final reaction with, his final interaction with Elizabeth it seemed like almost too friendly and I know Elizabeth is yeah. kind of like being sassy or whatever in the book but I was it threw me off a little bit um but I did really like this kitty I thought she got more screen time than I've ever mm-hmm. seen kitty get and I thought she was really cute and precious uh I also liked this Mary she had some good mm-hmm. scene stealing moments uh, oh I oh, really liked Sir Lucas Charlotte's dad, yes. who went around the entire time saying capital, 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 was actually incredibly annoying. <laughs> I also actually did like Mr. Bennett. I felt like he did a great job. Mm. You know, he's he's kind of cynical. He's very teasy, but he was also kind of bubbly. Um, and I felt like his character made Jane and Elizabeth make more sense than they sometimes do. Mm-hmm. Because you really, in his portrayal of Mr. Bennett, you got to see how, okay, that's how these girls came out having personalities that have any semblance of normality and logic within them, if that makes <laughs> sense. So I liked him. So moving right along to book to movie accuracy, um, I only saw like three kind of major ones nothing like extreme um one the director added a ton of back scenes um and by that I mean quasi b-roll um of the characters doing human things (laughs) so like the Bennett girls are getting dressed and the men are doing hobbies like you see them go and like do things there's a (laughs) <laughs> Men doing hobbies. Uh, there's a pool scene, and by a pool scene, I mean billiards. Mm. Um, you know, so they have a bit more life to them. They're not, you know, just what you see. You see that the characters have lives outside of what's directly on the stage. You know, kind of sparks your imagination a little bit more. Um, the second thing that was added changed the life of Bretonians and perhaps girls around the world when it came out which was the lake scene um questionable if you know was that needed not really we probably would have enjoyed it at the time too um but I don't know if he needs a statue in that lake where they filmed at Pemberley (laughs) there's a full full full-blown statue of him which I think is hilarious and just proof of fan service everywhere um And then the only other thing that I really, the only other thing that I really caught was there's like little tweaks to dialogue here and there to make things like a bit more modern. Um, But I think that was just for people to understand it than changing the meaning. Like I don't think it changed, it really changed the meaning of the script anywhere. Yeah, I noticed a couple of things I think that were related to choices we talked about earlier. But for instance, um, their decision to have like the scene. So as someone someone would read a letter, um, that scene would play out. 
Yes. I think their decision to do that lent itself to some extra things um, that were different from the book. Like, for instance, we first meet Georgiana Darcy. We see her on screen mm-hmm. because a letter is being narrated in which she is mentioned. So that's kind of an interesting choice. Um, and in yeah. some ways, I, I kind of liked what it added. Like, you see scenes of Lydia and Wickham together. Mm-hmm. Um you see a scene of them running away together and then a scene of them hiding in a hotel together. And then you see a scene of them later on where they've been married and you can kind of tell that Wickham's miserable. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's developing a drinking problem. Yeah. So I, I noticed those things and I kind of did like what they added to them. Um, at least, especially the scenes with Lydia and Wickham, but I really disliked um, the letter narration for the most part. Yeah, I agree with you, Beth. I did uh, like those scenes, like you said, especially Lydia and Wickham. It really does show you, wow, Lydia is so silly and Wickham is just the worst. Um, There was one thing that book to movie was a touch different and I kind of wanted to get y'all's opinions on it. So as you talked about, we see things on screen that we find out, hear about in letters or in, even in conversations in some cases. One of those things specifically was uh, we find out that Darcy was the one who found uh, Wickham and Lydia and he had those conversations with the gardeners. We find out all about that in a letter. And in the movie, we see that happen in real time. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. in the book, we find out about it with Elizabeth post Wickham and Lydia being married. And I, to be honest, did not like that. I like feeling that the tension of what's going to happen, how's it going to happen, who fixed it, and then you get the revolution all at once that, oh my gosh, Darcy did this. He really does love Elizabeth. That's amazing. What did you guys think of that choice to kind of show Darcy helping Lydia and Wickham in real time instead of saving it for the end? I will agree. I did not love that choice. Partially because you really get to see that additional change in Darcy's character in that moment with Elizabeth. Mm. And it kind of like doesn't really shock you, but more so confirms truly that he has changed. And, you know, he this would harm him in no way, yet he has changed so much that he's willing to completely pay off this man's debt pay for him to have a better job, you know, and solve that issue because he wants to out of the goodness of his heart. And in this, like, you do see it and, you know, you do have that revelation that, okay, you know, he's changed, but the impact isn't as great as it would be if you're sucker punched in the face with it with Elizabeth reading the letter Mm -hmm. because you get her reaction at the same time you're reacting and it kind of builds on each other. Whereas this, you're just kind of like brought along for the ride. So it kind of like drags it down like a notch or two. Yeah. In the book, the audience is really bonded to Elizabeth and we find everything out. She finds it all out and you just completely lose that aspect of it here. And so I did dislike that. And I think that that's part of the reason why I disliked um, the scenes playing out when you read letters because mm-hmm. you just are missing Um, those key moments that you're used to experiencing with the characters 
you're experiencing them in a different way and therefore it does kind of change the impact of the story mm-hmm. um, like you're saying so I just thought it was I thought it was a strange choice to have that whole thing with the wedding play out with him um, and ultimately I didn't like it I'm not sure if we've uh, expressed how we truly feel about this series yet but ladies what are your make it or break it? Because I'm curious and I have some thoughts and I also have a funny one and a, and like a serious one for both. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I think that my makeup was Jennifer L and her betrayal of Elizabeth. You know, it, it's hard because Kira Knightley is so a much goddess? Elizabeth to me. Yeah. I just absolutely love her in that version, but I don't know. I, I do. I do feel like Jennifer portrayed a more true book like Elizabeth for me and I really appreciated that I really liked um, the humor in her portrayal a lot and then my break it is that there were several times where Elizabeth and Darcy kind of speak out loud to themselves and there's one scene in particular where Darcy is fencing and he's using that fencing like as a way to deal with his emotions, which I thought was very strange. But then he says to himself, I will deal with this. I shall. And I just cannot stand the exposition <laughs> that we hear from him and Elizabeth. It's just like one of my least favorite things because it doesn't feel real. It feels so mm-hmm. fake. Um, so that would be my I, make it and break it. I think that's just the drama of the 90s. That's fair, yeah. Probably a stylistic choice of the time, but didn't like it. What about you, Julia? I have a few of both. So, uh, my make it. I love that we get so many details from the book. I just absolutely love that you get to see pretty much every moment that Jane writes about. That is just something that the miniseries has that takes my Mm -hmm. breath away. The other thing that is a make it for me is uh, we talked about this scene, but when Bingley sees Elizabeth for the first time after quitting uh, Netherfield, she's wondering about when the last time they saw each other was. And he says, I believe it was November 16th at the ball. And he just, yes. he knows the date exactly. <laughs> and he could see on his precious little face, he knows that date because that's the last time he saw Jane too. And my little heart broke for Crispin. Um, I just, he was adorable. And that scene was just so precious. Um, yes. My break it. I have not mentioned this, but the Bingley sisters wear the worst hats I have ever seen. <laughs> uh, so those were bad. <laughs> and on a more serious note, I wrote the chemistry uh, because as I have stated, Mr. Darcy's wet paper bag does nothing for me. And that was unfortunate. Laurie? So I'm going to start with my break it and then I'll end with my make it. Okay. So uh, my more serious break it was I'm with you Beth the flashbacks slash the narrating just did not do it for me Mm -hmm. it threw me out of the moment it didn't confuse me but it like it ruined certain impacts uh my funny one that I just thought of literally tonight uh 
when in one of these letter scenes, uh, you know, Lizzie is getting the letter from Jane detailing Lydia has run away and is going to marry Wickham, whatever. And you see this play out. It felt very, um, like, very much like we were watching A Christmas Carol. Because when Mr. Bennett opens the door, he has, like, a sleeping mm-hmm. cap on. Which I'm sure is period accurate, I would assume. But I just looked at him and I'm like, all I see is Mr. Scrooge. What is going on? It was just really weird. Uh, my make it would have to be the accuracy. So what we've spent most of this episode doing is like being analytical and pointing out that while it is amazing, yes, there are some flaws, like all things. Now, if I do that next week, I will be highly surprised. But that being said, this is still one of the most accurate, if not if not the most accurate adaptation that we'll probably watch. Y'all, I cannot believe... There are two things that we have not talked about. And before we move on, I have to say them. The first one is that we have not talked about the horrible freeze frame endings (laughs) for every episode, which feels like a mini series staple. I think this has happened more than one time before. There were a couple of times where I felt like they really did Jennifer L. Dirty with those freeze frames. It's like, guys... But the second is that we have not talked about the double wedding. Oh, yeah. Talk this, about a book to movie inaccuracy. Yeah, and this movie ends with the double wedding between Elizabeth and Darcy and Jane and Bingley. And, you know, over here at Sips and Sensibility, we love <laughs> a double wedding. <laughs> it's a double wedding. We've gotten ladies. a couple so far. It's so funny how whenever two couples get married in something, it's like, they love to just throw a double wedding in there. Two people are engaged. To. Okay, it's double wedding time. I just thought because that was hilarious. People do that all the time. <laughs> this is very normal. All right, Lori. Well, I hope that a double wedding does not lie in your future. But oh God, from this adaptation, <laughs> who would you choose to date? If it were not. For the um, little bits of character development in the quote-unquote B-roll behind the scenes that Darcy was given, I don't know if I would choose Darcy. I think I might choose Bingley. But because of those, and because I find... today the day the music died? (laughs) (laughs) No, this is not American Pie. Thank you very much. Uh, I I will choose Darcy, if only because I find him more attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, Lori, you held us in such eager anticipation. Tell us how I completely that forgot. <laughs> apple crumble mumbo jumbo tasted. Okay, first off, I got an iced apple crisp macchiato. Okay, Let me make those nice and crisp for you. <laughs> uh, vocal training coming in. I will say, and baristas, close your ears for five seconds because I'm about to say some sacrilege. I mix my iced macchiatos. Is that, um, is that wrong? Yeah, they don't like it apparently. Mm. Um, because you're supposed to like drink the espresso through the milk and that's supposed to like cut it. It's a whole thing. So when I get a hot one, that's how I do it. But um, I, I mix my iced ones. Anyway, I tried this drink before mixing and after mixing. And I didn't like it. Either way. Either way. 
And I will say that after mixing, it was a bit sweeter because, you know, the milk, Mm -hmm. you know, mixes in. Uh, And I got the I got the syrup off the bottom of the cup a bit more. Mm -hmm. But it it was like it was sweet, but not sweet enough. Like it needed like a little extra. I don't know. I think Julia might like it. And I was sad that she was not there and I could not give her my tall cup. Gosh, well, I had very delightful Harney and Sons Earl Grey Supreme tea. Um, Very calming. I did finish it approximately 40 minutes ago. (laughs) But it was great while it lasted. I also had it in a really big mug. So I've consumed a lot of tea. Yeah, it was it was great. It is an old old staple here in the in my household what about you julia how was your bottle of barefoot did you just gush it down my (laughs) single serving plastic miniature wine (laughs) bottle of barefoot moscato was like drinking juice the the moscato it was fine but it was definitely like one of those juice box wines you know what i mean oh how lovely well, friends, thank you so much for tuning into this episode with us. It was so much fun. Um, really glad I'm not alone on my feelings about this episode, about this version of Darcy. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five out of five stars and leave some kind words. We really appreciate that. And go ahead and follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at Sips and Sensibility Pod. And we're on Facebook at Sips and Sensibility. Hope to see you guys soon. Guys, 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 guess what we're doing next time. What? what? We are doing perhaps the best movie of all time. Perhaps my favorite movie of all time. Definitely my favorite movie of all time. Um, We are doing the 2005 Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley. So, if you would like to join in our excitement of watching and discussing the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, you can get it on Amazon. You can rent it for $3.99 there and on iTunes and on YouTube. So, that's three platforms where you can rent it. Or if you have Hulu, it is included with your Hulu. Or if you are a diehard lover, you probably already have the DVD or own a copy someplace. Please, please, please come back next week. Don't run away from us. I can't wait to discuss this. And yes, I will just be gushing the entire time because this is my dream. Man. Oh, keep it close to the chest, Lori. <laughs> okay, I'll play my cards close. I have no opinions about this film. No one knows how we feel. No one knows. No one. <laughs> So, until next time, keep on sipping, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>